What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Comedian Norm Macdonald's become a huge hot topic over his comments about Roseanne and Louis C.K. and the Me Too movement. And it led to The Tonight Show, you know, saying that we're going to cancel the appearance, but we wanted him to come and clear the air. So please welcome Norm Macdonald. <laughs> you took a lot of flack for, for saying uh, in the art of, uh, for some things that you said in the Hollywood Reporter, saying that you were kind of glad that the Me Too movement has slowed down. And we don't really know you as a guy who, you know, really comments on very much yeah. that's gone out. So were, were you try- what were you trying to say? Yeah. Well, uh, I was, uh, you know, print reporters, they ask you questions and they put them all together. What I was talking about was uh, Chris Hardwick, this particular comedian. Right. That was a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, if 500 um, women go against a man, obviously, the guy's guilty. But then the Chris Hardwick one, it was one woman against one man. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So I was saying that I thought it was good that the pendulum was slowing and Chris Hardwick has been as rehabilitated as he's going to get. He still tells me he can't walk down the street without people yelling stuff at him. Yeah. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, hey, Liberty Lovers, this is... Now, you notice that time I said Liberty Lovers, like you're swabbing the decks, me hearties. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 90. Big nine zero guys. Holy shit. Can you believe it? We're getting up there. Means I got to start working on some special guests for episode number 100. Who will it be? Maybe nobody. You know me. I'm lazy. I might just let you down. Just scream extra loud in the microphone. But the voice that you heard, a man who I would have loved to have on the, the show for episode number 100 coming up was that of Norm MacDonald. And the show's going to have a few different topics, but... For the most part, there's no way I could ignore this Norm MacDonald story any longer because this story came out right on the day I was recording my previous podcast. I saw the Hollywood Reporter story and immediately tweeted out. I didn't uh, now I did not address it on this show because I wanted to see what was going to happen. It was one of those things where I said to myself, "Okay, Brian, you know what's going to happen here. You know that this Hollywood Reporter article as written. By the way, and as you're getting, you heard in that quote, uh, you know, Norm Macdonald saying that reporters put things together, which, you know, quite accurately. I know that sounds like a very obvious statement, but when you're talking about print reporters, as Norm cited, you're not talking about something that is recorded and is put out to the public in an honest fashion as it was intended as, uh, you know, taking context into play using the entire conversation you're having, you're relying on this reporter to basically do you a solid by not misrepresenting where you're coming from. And I can tell you for a fact, this Hollywood Reporter article did a terrible job of that. It's very clear. Now, not in the actual headline, which just is, Norm MacDonald won't go pundit on his Netflix talk show. But 
within the context of it, within the content, it takes his quotes, which is, you know, this exact quote talking about uh, Chris Hardwick, talking about these victims, which I'm going to include a clip later. The broader context of victimhood is without a doubt taken out of context, but it's positioned in such a fashion where it paints Norm as this out of touch guy who just could not give a goddamn about the victims or about the Me Too movement. Meanwhile, ignoring that there is quite a bit of truth to Norm MacDonald's statements here, talking about how, you know, if, and he clarifies it in this interview with The View, which by the way, that, that clip I played earlier was from Norm MacDonald's interview on The View. Because he had to go on The View in order to get his story out since The Tonight Show canceled on him. And I'm going to circle back to all these things, but I want to make a real quick point at the top of the show before I play some more clips and then really get into this. And that is that he makes this point about Chris Hardwick, which is a very salient point that basically Chris Hardwick had his ex-girlfriend come out, go complaining to the Smell magazine, I think it was, that ran the piece to a feminist writer and gets this story out wherein she paints Chris Hardwick as this monster that was an abuser and knows this and that and controlling. When you actually read it, what turns out has happened to this woman was that Chris Hardwick was an asshole. He was a controlling bad boyfriend. And basically he would come home and say, well, you know what? I don't drink, so I don't want you to drink. And the girl said, okay. And he said, you know, I don't know if I want to go out tonight, so I don't want you to go out. And she go, okay. And he says, you know, I don't want you, you know, when I'm out of town, I don't want, you know, going out and doing stuff. And she said, okay. And then he would come home later after working and he'd want to have sex. And even though she would want to have sex, she would say, okay. So you have this girl who is over the moon to have been Chris Hardwick's girlfriend and stayed with Chris Hardwick, which you have to, you have to ask a question. Okay. If he wasn't Chris Hardwick, would you have stayed with a guy who was this controlling piece of shit? The answer is no, unless you're an idiot. But this girl stays with Chris Hardwick because she enjoys being Chris Hardwick's girlfriend. She enjoys the notoriety. She enjoys the privileges when she's not, you know, when he's not telling her to stay home and she's just going along with his every wish. A real powerful statement for feminism, by the way, to just go along with what you're told and have, have no voice of your own in a relationship. And then they break up. And she goes and tells this publication, oh, my God, he, he, blah, 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 he abused me. And it's used as an example of the Me Too movement when it is clearly not. He didn't abuse her. He didn't beat her. He didn't rape her. He, none of these things happen. He's just a dickhead. He's a bad boyfriend. He's not a good guy. And I'm not trying to overly defend Chris Hardwick, but it's just using an example of ridiculousness. And that's what Norm is citing here, too, even though he says he's friends with Chris Hardwick. But you have this one story from one woman who had a bad breakup, and now Chris Hardwick's career, I mean, she tried to ruin his career, and she almost succeeded. AMC decided they were going to keep having him on as a you know, host of The Talking Dead, but all of his other shows are, are basically gone. All of his other opportunities are gone. He can't get booked at comedy gigs. And like I said, if he's walking down the street, people are yelling shit at him because of a bad breakup, because he's, he's not a good boyfriend. But there's no one else to corroborate this. There's no one else that, that you know, none of his other girlfriends have stepped up and said, yes, he's a controlling demon. He's an animal. He held me down. None of this stuff has happened. It's, it's one, one woman 
saying that he's this monster. And it becomes very prolific and very applicable when we look at what's happening with Kavanaugh right now. And I'm going to get into that later too. But again, I just want to make this one point right now, as is the title of this episode, is that Norm is being torn down. He's being eviscerated. They've ripped the heart out of the man because of statements that are true. When you have 500 people say, this man is a monster, you have all these people lining up saying, yes, this happened. Yes, this is true. Yes, this happened. Okay, yes. You have you know, 50 women. Okay, great. Let's look at it. Excellent. Okay, yes, we believe you. When you have one woman, it's not that you shouldn't believe that person, but you have to say, is this a he said, she said story? And when it comes to this Kavanaugh, we're seeing this play out. We've got this guy who had a letter signed by like 69 or 70 women that knew him all throughout his life saying he's a good guy. I've dated him. I've been with him. You know, he'd never, he never would do any of these, these actions that are being alleged by this woman. And yet we have it now where people are questioning whether or not you can confirm as a Supreme Court justice because of one woman. Very interesting that Norm is being eviscerated and we're seeing it play out in real time with a Supreme Court nomination. Anyway, let me play a couple more clips of Norm on this recent appearance on The View. You went on the Howard Stern show yesterday to apologize and you ended up making it worse because you said you'd have to have Down syndrome not to feel sorry for the victims. Yes. Do you regret you just saying keep that? keep on getting into trouble, Norm Macdonald. <laughs> it's always bad when you have to apologize. For the apology? For an apology. The, um, Do you lose it when you're on Howard? Is that what happens, Joe? Well, there is a, a thing on, on Howard where there's a recklessness in the studio. And, uh, you know, there used to be a word we would all say uh, uh, to mean stupid that we don't say anymore. No. Right? Yeah. You, you know we the talk, word I'm yes, talking about? Yes. Yeah. And stupidly, I was just about to say that word and, you put this and I stopped and said what's the right word to say and then I said um, I said uh, a different yeah, word that yeah. was equally yeah. did you realize in that moment that, that probably I realized at that moment that I'd done something unforgivable are you worried to speak now because <laughs> because of the backlash that you've received this week now are you thinking twice before everything gets out of your mouth <laughs> think that way <laughs> This, he, this is this is how he's a slow talk. He's a okay. talk like yeah. that. But, but I he's think just in general, I think in general, we all think now have to think very yeah. carefully about the words that come out of our mouth because you risk offending somebody or a number of people. Right, well, right. Joy's often said that PC political correctness is killing. Comedy. It is killing comedy. Do you agree with that? Yes, I, I, I agree clubs with that. Where it's a small group. Often people will come and say. You know, uh, some some guy said a joke, and you're asked to defend it, yeah. and the joke is always horrible. Like it's the worst joke you've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. And you're in this position where you have to defend a terrible joke uh, on free speech. You know. But I was like, reporters always ask you, like, what's offensive? Is anything over the line? And I personally think almost everything is over the line. They yeah. like you to be edgy, and then when you are, you get you get hurt for it. Right. But you know, comedians. But I will say which, the, the, yeah. the the remark I made about um, people with Down syndrome mm-hmm. was uh, just Insensitive. a terrible, yeah. terrible, and terrible stupid. thing for me to we say. Agree. So there you have it. There's Norm 
And, you know, I said earlier, it's just watching the man now, he is just this husk of his former self. Watching him on the video, which I hadn't mentioned this yet, but you can find all the show notes. I'll embed the video of this interview over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL90. But you can find that video. You can watch it and just see what's become of Norm MacDonald. A man who was, he is, I mean, literally this guy is, if there's a holy trinity of comedy, Norm MacDonald is probably God and Jesus. You know, just like the just like the Catholics have, they have God and then Jesus, but he's also God. Norm's that. He's amazing. He's brilliant. Everything he does is hilarious. And he's a guy that always has his sense of humor. You know, it's like, no matter what he's talking about, he can find a way to make it funny. And that's what comedy is about. It's about taking the worst of things and making them fucking funny. That's how you cope. That's how you communicate. That's how you heal. And look, not everybody heals the same way. Not everybody deals with issues the same way. But when you can't talk about issues anymore, when you can't say words anymore, you get in trouble. And I just love, you know, I, when I was watching this interview, and I don't watch The View. I know who Joy Behar is. I know who the incredibly fucking untalented Whoopi Goldberg is. A woman who's lucky that she was, I don't even know, jerking off Billy Crystal and uh, Robin Williams at the right time in the right bathroom to get lumped in with those two and ride their coattails to success. Only good role she was ever on was Guinan on Star Trek because that was a straight role. Didn't have to be funny. Just had to stood there and listen to other people talk. Nailed it, whoops. As my dog barks in the background, failing at her one job, which is to be quiet during podcasts. But anyway, I, I don't even know who the woman was that said this one specific phrase that just boils my blood. Like I was out in uh, zero G in a vacuum of space and my blood's boiling out of my damn eyeballs. Some pretty brunette on the show. But when she goes, are you scared to talk now, Norm? Because, you know, because you're scared of what people think when you say stuff. And she's, if you watch the video, she's reveling in it. Reveling. Laughing to them. They're like, <laughs> all the harpies. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want out of a guy. That's what you want out of a stand-up comedian. You want him to be so beaten down. That he's now terrified to speak extemporaneously. He's terrified of every word that comes out of his goddamn mouth because people take his words out of context that were good points, by the way, and put him in this interview in a in a uh, context where it paints him as uncaring, as insincere, as siding with his friends over the quote-unquote victims. Now, in the Roseanne case, I'm sorry, the victim in the Roseanne case was what, a woman who's a multi-millionaire, uh, high-level member of state that she happened to think, you know, she made a joke about her being uh, from the planet of the apes and a Muslim, which, number one, the woman does not look African-American. So Roseanne, I believe what she said she didn't know. And number two, it's clearly a joke. It, it, what, she's a, she's a victim? Just like when Norm jokes about when he says the word retard, that's the word, by the way, he was not allowed to say that he was trying to avoid saying in Howard Stern, the word's retard. It's a word. It's in the language. It's not even It's not even one of those words that's taken from Spanish and now it's made into a curse word. No. It's a word. It has a physical meaning. It means to slow things down, to retard something. You should be able to use it. People have been saying it for decades. 
You can use it for comedic effect. I, and I understand the sensitivity for people that might have Down syndrome or might have, have children that are, are slower. I, I get it. You know, like, look, there's certain charities I support. Special Olympics, that's the main one. That's what I support with my dollars because I do give a fuck. But at the same time, I don't, I don't want people to not be able to say the word retard. And I don't want, if you may say, you got to have Down syndrome to not, uh, you know, to think that that was okay what I said or whatever, you know, whatever Norm said in that, that interview. That's the same thing. You know, fine. Okay. Maybe if you have a child with Down syndrome, you hear that and you go, mm. yeah, I wish he hadn't said that. But now we're going to try to further ruin a man's career over it. We're going to make him come on the view and apologize again for this. I mean, get over it. Move on. Stop being so entitled. Stop being so angry and entitled about your fucking worldview, about your minuscule worldview that you have to go and try to ruin people, that you have to go say, yo, I have to stand up for this. I have to make sure that no one ever says this word ever again. Get the fuck over yourself. In the meantime, I, I honestly, like, I seeing Norm McDonald do this, a man who has been utterly unapologetic throughout his career, a man who's regularly risked things. I mean, I have very fond memories of Norm MacDonald all throughout my life. I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe I wouldn't be doing comedy today if not for Norm MacDonald. I recall specifically being on vacation multiple times in the Carolinas back in the original days of Comedy Central when it was, you know, a Berry cable channel. It wasn't the monolith it is today. It was just a TV channel that ran 90% stand-up comedy, 5% kids in the hall episodes that were reruns and 5% mystery science theater 3000. All of those shows have an enormous impact on who I am. When I watch movies, I basically operate as the MST3K characters. There's a running dialogue. Say it drives my wife nuts at times. When I do stand up, I try to think how would Norm Macdonald make this joke? How would he construct this joke? And no one can be Norm. No one's got Norm's timing. No one's got Norm's cadence. No one should try to be Norm. But when you look at joke construction, when you look at just the way he comes out of left field with his jokes, you think he's going down the road and he hits you with that left hook. He is a fucking genius. But I see this man who has impacted me. I see this guy who's on, you know, he was on Dennis Miller's show because he is a conservative guy. You know, that's the way he leans. But in the same way as Roseanne, I guess in a way, you know, he's got he's got a lot of liberal leanings too. You know, he's he's not a heartless man, but he's conservative as far as uh, a lot of his personal beliefs. But he used to go on Dennis Miller all the time. And I remember Dennis Miller had him on regularly talking. You know, it's like running dick jokes that Norm McDonald. But again, a dick joke's kind of like the lowest form of comedy. But when Norm McDonald did the dick joke, it was high comedy. It was you know as as sophisticated. And intellectual as you could get because that was Norm MacDonald. He was operating on a different level than the rest of us. And that's what's so awkward and, and horrible to see in these interviews is watching this man, watching this genius be stooped down and, and kowtowing to people that are mental midgets compared to him. It's like, you know, this is like the king on high is now shining the fucking uh, beggar's shoes. And all because a few contextual words got, got put into a, uh, a manner 
by this print journalist that made Norm look like an asshole. And now he's got to do the asshole tour. And frankly, I mean, I'm disgusted that he's doing it. But it comes to the time, you know, where I say, I wonder if he was younger, if he would have just said, ah, go fuck yourself. But Norm's older. This, you know, this Netflix show, especially in today's climate, this might be Norm's last hurrah. And I think he knows that. And, you know, I'm not going to fault the guy for saying, look, I got to take this money. You know, I want to keep this Netflix show going because he's had a few failed shows. You know, my my buddy Doug Perkins wrote on a show. The place, oh, I forgot to mention this, by the way. The Comedy Car Hole, where I got my start as a comedian. And by the way, if you want to watch some of my old comedy routines, back when I was uh, I was green, although, you know, my, I guess I was less green than most just because of my personality. But you could go Google Comedy Car Hole in my name and you'll see some comedy that I used to do over there. But Norm MacDonald came because my buddy wrote on his show, did a set there, mentioned, used the retard word, by the way, and it was fucking hilarious. It was hilarious. But, you know, I, like I said, I, I worship the guy. But just, see this, just to see him, you know, taking it on the chin, I get it. I'm not going to say that he shouldn't try to make money. He's got people working on the show. He's just trying to make sure he gets that last payday, and I'm not going to fault him for that. But you know what? It makes me fucking sad. It makes me unbelievably sad. <sighs> anyway, um, let's get on from Norm. I don't want to depress everybody too much, <laughs> uh, but you can cheer yourselves up by listening to old Norm Macdonald jokes and videos. Those are always great. But let's talk a little bit about Kavanaugh before I take a break. However, before we do that, let me remind you guys that this is the last chance that you are going to have to support this podcast and get in on our five-year anniversary special we're running. Basically, this thing is going to expire as of Thursday, the 20th. So you basically got the rest of today and Thursday at midnight. So we'll give you all the way till midnight. To get on in there, if you subscribe at any level starting at $5 as a supporter of this podcast, just go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. I kind of messed that up. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. There you go. A little clearer. But starting at $5, you will get a free t-shirt. yes. A beautiful design t-shirt that was put together by our buddy Dan Smots over at The System Is Down, which, by the way, coincidentally tying into the theme of this episode, I was just on his show a couple weeks ago talking about social justice warriors ruining comedy. I'll talk about that. I'll link to it in the show notes. Also, I was on Happy Supremacy recently, and uh, Shane over there just did a video about Norm MacDonald, too, so check him out. But anywho, Dan Smots did an amazing design for us. All three show logos, 50th anniversary. We will give you that shirt for free if you sign up as a $5 patron uh, or you increase your subscription, guys, too. You know, we'll we'll hook it on up there. And, hey, hopefully it's more than 5 bucks because we've got different levels. You know, at $10, you get the video content, which you're putting a lot out of. If you heard the five-year anniversary show, we live videoed that. We sent a lot of video of our interviews out now to our patrons. And at $15 you get our daily news links as well, which are pretty awesome. And then, of course, if you got the uh, if you got the buckaroos, $25 level, you get calls with us every month, baby, and uh, access to some additional special stuff that we're working on as well. Anyway, you got until Thursday at midnight. Get your asses on it. Smooches from me. All right, let's get back into the show. So this whole Kavanaugh thing, right? I, like I said at the top, it, you got Norm MacDonald citing the fact that 
you should not simply believe one person's accusation as gospel and use that as a tool to ruin a man's career. Something that should be absolutely obvious to everybody. And it goes both ways. Obviously, if a man accuses a woman of, uh, of sexual harassment, it should not be used to ruin her career either. I mean, this Aja Argento, uh, whatever this kid's name is, back and forth now, that's all confusing. I don't know who the fuck to believe in this rate. I still think that, you know, the kid was 17. She's hanging out with him at 15. She's getting pictures of him. They get it. She has him over, sends a family member home, and then they have sex and she takes photos with him. Yet he's, she's saying now that he's the aggressor. Uh, you know, Asia, I don't know if I believe that. But regardless, when you got one person and one person, there's no evidence. There's no physical evidence of anything. There's no corroborating evidence. There's no other witnesses. There's no other people chiming in and supporting these things. Then I don't think you can use it, nor should you be able to use it to destroy somebody. And that's what the despicable Democrats in the Senate and in the Judiciary Committee, especially led by Dianne Feinstein, one of the grossest elderly crones of the Democratic Party, are trying to do with Brett Kavanaugh. And as you heard when I was talking about this last episode, you know, I'm not exactly the the biggest fan of Brett Kavanaugh anyway. Maybe we'd get the, the female judge that's much better as far as libertarian concerns are, are addressed. And I'm blanking on her name right now. I think it's Corbett, Amy Corbett. But Kavanaugh, you know, for all intents and purposes, you can't rip the man down because of something that this woman sent a letter to Dianne Feinstein. Now, granted, not to the FBI. She didn't send it to the police, didn't send it to the FBI herself, because the statute of limitations is run out on this, because it's from back in 1982, back in 1982, when she was in high school. She's alleging something that happened when she was a 15-year-old girl and he was 17 in high school. High school. But she sends Feinstein this letter. Feinstein doesn't bring it up the entire time they're doing the hearings. Holds it, sends it to the FBI. The FBI sends it back saying, what the fuck do you want us to do with this? It's a woman saying that she was groped over her clothes in high school. Okay. So what does Diane Feinstein do? Well, she goes and leaks it to the press and makes a big deal out of it. And now we have a situation wherein this Supreme Court justice who has led a clean life as far as I can tell. And as far as 70 different women who signed this letter saying that he's a great guy have to say about it. Now he's basically at risk of losing what was a surefire Supreme Court position. So she is essentially trying to defame his career, ruin his life. And assure that he will not get a position which you could argue he deserves. And it's just, I mean, the low lengths that the Democrats have gone to in this really is very stark. And now I, I know that the Democratic people that are that are against Kavanaugh, they're not going to care. As we've seen time and time again, there is no depth which progressives will not sink in order to, you know, it's like that old thing. The ends justify the means, right? Does that not sum up the democratic slash progressive mindset? You know, you look to Antifa beating people with goddamn bike locks for wearing a MAGA hat. Well, you know, the ends justify the means. We want to we want to get to a socialist utopia. And if we have to beat you physically to stop you from expressing free speech or wearing a hat, well, <laughs> just part of the course, man. Got to get there. It's all for the greater good. Hashtag for the fucking greater good. Hashtag juice truth. 
But, you know, just stooping to this level is truly despicable. Rather than bringing this up earlier, allowing a true vetting of the man, allowing this to play out. Now you've got so, you know, they have this vote coming up. So now they're going to have to delay the vote. Now, who knows? You know, and this is time, of course, to, to try to delay it until after the midterms. Obviously. I mean, talk about just like the most despicable, underhanded political gamesmanship tactics you can use to hold this information and then drop it a couple days before he's supposed to be confirmed. And again, an allegation from someone in high school who, by the way, this woman, uh, which her name is, apologies, her name is Christine Blasey or Blasey Ford, alleges that when they were at a party and Kavanaugh went to a boys' school, she went to a girls' school. I don't know if they knew each other much ahead of time. Who knows? Maybe they met there. I don't know. She alleges that he and another friend of his, who, unfortunately for Kavanaugh, actually this friend, and his last name's Judge, I believe, um, and he's a political commentator or pundit or something like that, works in Washington, has actually written a book before talking about how blackout drunk he was at this prep school, which Kavanaugh also attended. So that's not great. But this other friend of his, uh, who has no recollection of this event, she says that they grabbed her when she was leaving a bathroom and forced her into a bedroom. And then Kavanaugh was groping her over her clothes, tried to take off a piece of her bathing suit. And when she tried to scream, put his hand over her mouth. Now, then this other guy, her, his friend, uh, the blackout drunk, he then apparently jumped on them and stopped it. And she ran away. And then she you know, never a police court filed, uh, never told anybody any, any of this until right now. So now if this is true, it is horrible. Don't get me wrong. It's heinous. You know, rape is one of those things which I think most people are, I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. It's one of those things where you read these horrible stories, especially, you know, these fucking rape gangs and shit over in Sweden and Australia. It makes you sick to your stomach. So this kind of thing, yes, naturally, it makes you sick. But I don't know if it's true. And there's no way to possibly know if it's true. And if you listen to Felony Fridays, which you should on this very variety show podcast, you know just how unreliable memory is. Memories change. Memories are easily, easily transplanted, impacted, altered. They change over time. They're completely unreliable, which is why you can't just have one person accuse somebody of something and take it as gospel. And this woman, this Christine Blasey Ford, comes out of the woodwork. She admits herself she doesn't remember where or when this happened. All she remembers was that it happened. So that tells you that she was definitely drinking or she'd have a clearer memory of this, one has to surmise. And she then moved on. I mean, if something so traumatic happened to you, wouldn't you think you'd have a pretty good memory of it? But no, she just happens to remember that this thing happened from this man, Kavanaugh, and she never brought it up and never told anybody until right now when it was absolutely politically convenient to ruin his fucking career. I'm not calling her a liar because I don't know. Nobody can know. But to say... That now this entire thing has to be halted and examined and blah, 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 is absurd. And it just shows you that the Me Too movement has gone too far. 
because it's no longer a movement. It's no longer something that we can rely on as a a true progression towards equality, to something that we can hold as a standard uh, with any reliability to actually hold men culpable who deserve to be held culpable. It's now simply a tool of oppression, as we see so often with these movements from the left. And that is honestly beyond sad. Because at its core, the Me Too movement is a very good thing. And of course, it's been bastardized. It's been stolen away. It's been co-opted by the fucking progressives as a tool of oppression, as a tool of authoritarianism, and as a way to just fuck people right in the goddamn ass that they don't like because of their political views. And there you have it. That's the way the cookie crumbles. We'll be right back with more ELL. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 90 again. Show notes, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL90. And guys, reminder, share the show. Help support a brother. Help a brother out. Go post about it on Reddit. Go share it with somebody. Go tell a friend of yours. Go uh, tweet at it. Tweet at it. Tweet about it. Uh, you know, whatever you want to do with the Twitters. Go tell your fantasy football team. Which, by the way, we have a league for our Pride members, too. <laughs> Which I'm losing because Le'Veon Bell, that piece of shit. God damn Le'Veon Bell. Anyway, welcome back. Let's jump in. I'm trying to figure out if I want to talk about a funny story or a story that's going to make me even more pissed off. <laughs> let's talk about... How about let's talk about something that's uh, both ridiculous and is going to piss me off. Right? Uh, best of both worlds. How about that, guys? So... Let's talk about California and how California has now put it into law. California legislature has passed a bill requiring female board representation for any company that is headquartered here. Just think about that. Never mind. Let's say you're a company that might be family owned. Maybe you're a small company. Maybe you have a smaller board. Whatever. California doesn't care. California doesn't care how you do business. It doesn't care who your target market is. Doesn't care if, say, your whole business is making jock straps. Let's say you're California's number one male enhancement pill provider. Well, guess what? You got to have a woman on your board by 2019. I mean, talk about California. California is already one of the absolute worst states that you can have a business in. I mean, it's shocking people have business here. It's all for the quality of life, obviously. It's to draw people into the California sunshine. Plus, of course, the crony capitalist tax breaks that they do give them to the bigger companies, mind you, not mom and pop. 
to the bigger companies. And that's what's so funny about these kind of stupid bills. They put this shit on the books. And it's not going to affect the big companies because the big companies already have females on their boards in a 99% likelihood. They probably have at least one. And that's all you need. You just need one. But you have smaller companies that are just, you know, say a typical company, like I said, a family-owned business. Maybe the board's your family members plus a couple of lawyers that you trust, a couple other leaders in industry that are retired that you want to bring on. Maybe somebody like me, a trusted PR professional, a man with a good head on his shoulders. Who gives a shit what it is, right? But now you're going to force them to go out, hire another woman. And by the way, I don't know if you guys realize what people on boards get paid, but they get paid a pretty penny. I mean, you can get paid $25,000, $40,000, $60,000, up to $100,000 or more to be on a board, depending on the size of the company and the demands of being on that board. I mean, there's literally people that solicit me right now. They send me emails saying, hey, do you want to be on a board? Do you want to be on a board? Now, granted, they want to take their cut. I don't have the time to do it anyway. But there's, there's literally careers that exist placing professionals on boards because boards pay enough money for them to get a cut like an agent. And so California wants to now force companies to either fire one of their current valued board members in order to hire a woman or to spend an extra twenty-five dollars to $100,000 a year, whatever it might be, to bring in a woman just to fucking do it for no other reason than because California, in its infinite goddamn wisdom, has decided that women are underrepresented in the boardroom, never mind all the empirical evidence that we can find where men have choose, women choose to take time off to have babies. Now, California also helps with that. Don't get me wrong. But how women are, in fact, a little bit less aggressive in the workplace. So maybe are not pushing to move up as fast. That women uh, are less competitive than men when it comes to the workplace in many cases. So maybe are not actively pushing. They might value quality of life over some of these board positions. You know, there's a lot of factors that take place. Uh, and again, you know, these are things that Jordan Peterson talks about that he's been pilloried for. But... And again, not a woman of the same. I'm not trying to cast every woman as, you know, I'd rather raise a family. There's a lot of women I know that are very aggressive um, and that have, uh, you know, very cutthroat mentality. But, you know, it's just not all. But for California to come in and say, look, you got to force a, a female CEO onto your board just because we think it's a good idea, just because we feel that equality is more important than your bottom line and and who gives a goddamn what kind of business you run, what kind of successful setup you've you've achieved. And let's not forget too, you know, the successful businesses, running a business is not easy. And to get to a certain point where you have a board, there's a lot of thought that goes into that. There's a lot of value that goes into all the people that are in that room. It's not just easy to swap someone in and out. And when you put somebody on a board, typically they also get a fucking vote into how the company runs. So you're not only just hiring somebody on to have somebody on the board, you're also bringing an outside force in that is being completely uh, rammed down your throat coercively by the government that could actively change your entire business. It could change your culture. It could change your product. It could change your, your everything about what you've built up over 5, 10, 15 years. Now, California says you got to change that because we think there aren't enough female women on female, female women. <laughs> what kind of women would there be if they weren't female women? So I guess it's a transgender world, right? <laughs> <When> that, 
There's a way to get around it. Can you just ask, you know, in a transgender world, man, can you just dress up one of your current dudes and have him identify as a woman? Aha, California! Aha! The McWilliams factor comes into play. Anyway, if anybody out there needs a board member, I'll dress up like a, like a woman for you. But anyway, but seriously, they, you know, it's, it's just, it's fucking crazy. It's just absurdly ridiculous. And California never ceases to amaze how far they can push this shit, how much they can hate business, how much they can hate personal choice and personal freedom and freedom for businesses to actually operate as a business rather than some sort of fucking social justice experiment. All right, well, that one may be pretty mad. <laughs> Not going to lie. And by the way, for all our female listeners, uh, God bless you. This, this episode's coming across as, uh, as anti-women. I could not be any, any more pro-women. Um, look at me pull, pulling a Norm MacDonald on my own show. <laughs> Guys, I, you know, I, I said some things that were uh, unforgivable about female board positions. No, God bless you guys. We, uh, we, we do love all our women. Love you to death. All right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about something else that's going to really piss me off. Let's talk about Botham Jean, who I talked about last episode, too. This poor man who was murdered, straight up murdered, in his apartment by a female Dallas police officer who was off-duty. Should not have even been pulling her gun, by the way. Off-duty police officers are supposed to call the police if there's a domestic incident, uh, if they're not working. But was shot and killed in his own apartment because... The woman came and came and knocked on his door. Do, 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 do. He wasn't ready for her. So she shot him in the face. And then the Dallas cops got a warrant and found a bunch of drugs. Uh, that's really what happened. Story came out today. Well, it's been, it's been building up. But the official results of the Dallas Police Department search warrant, which, of course, they went and got a search warrant for a, a man who they murdered. But they got a warrant, searched this man's house, and now they found, coincidentally, 10.4 grams of marijuana. And I, you know, I'm not sure what the drug laws of Dallas are. Texas as a whole is really anti-drug, by the by. Don't get arrested in Texas with any amount of weed. They really hate it. So clearly, this looks like a way to smear this man. And what their plan is, I mean, you can already see the plan happening. So I don't know why they think it's a good idea. And from a PR perspective, by the way, I would be advocating against this as hard as I could. I would be screaming at them, you're just going to get your asses torn apart in the court of public opinion on this. There's no way. You might win the legal battle. You might keep this, this piece of shit that killed a man out of prison by saying that somehow it was tied into her finding probable cause. Email, she's off duty. Off duty. No reason, no probable cause to go in there. What are you going to say? He, she, she spelled weed? And so she went in off duty rather than calling the real cops that are on duty, on duty at the point. But you could tell that's just, it's a smear campaign. They're going to try to smear this guy as a drug dealer, is my guess, with 10.4 grams of weed. They're going to say that he was dealing because that's over, a, you know, what would be a quote personal amount, which maybe would be one gram in Texas. Who knows? But it's just unbelievably despicable. And we're seeing how these police operate to go down this road. And, and it's straight out of the play. It's like out of a movie. It's like out of that Dave Chappelle joke where he's like, oh, they shoot a guy. Just, oh, just like a little crack on it, Jenkins. No worry. I mean, that is what is happening here. They, they, they coincidentally find this, this 10.4 grams just hanging out in this dead guy's apartment, an apartment that they should have no access to. But how's he going to? Can he stop them? No, he's dead. 
Shouldn't they have to get some family permission? Shouldn't they have to get permission from somebody to go in and access his belongings? You know, usually when people get murdered, you know, when the cops murder you, you'd think that they'd have to get somebody's permission from a family member to go in that house. I don't know. I guess it's a crime scene. Maybe they could go in. But if there was a crime scene, what do they need a warrant for? If they needed a warrant in the first place, it seems like it should have been more difficult to get. I don't know. The whole thing is just circuitous logic. And it all adds up to the same thing, which is the Dallas Police Department covering its own ass, as we've seen every police department do throughout history. This is why L.A. finally, one of the few things L.A.'s done in its, uh, in its long and storied career of fucking up, was put a separate prosecutor, not even a prosecutor, a separate, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not going to stop and Google it. Adjudicator? Ah, mm, eh, fuck it, whatever. A guy to look at court cases wherein a police active action was involved, a, a killing was involved, so that they couldn't just push it to their own internal processes to quote-unquote investigate and come back with a, a verdict of innocent or come back with, oh, well, you know, we're going to put this guy on, on paid leave and he still gets his pension and all that horseshit. No. Now they have someone else that's going to step in and actually say, okay, well, it looks like he murdered this guy. This fucker should go to jail and he doesn't get his pension and that kind of thing. So that's a big step forward. But clearly Dallas isn't going to have that. So they're going to find these drugs. They're going to go out of their way to paint this guy as a scumbag and paint her as some innocent victim that was just came across and was doing her duty in the eyes of the law and Jesus Christ Almighty. And, uh, and thank God they killed this man because he was a danger to society and the community. And there you go. Full pension. Put her back on the street. Just crazy. All right. We're going to finish off with one more story, guys. And that is going to be targeting on this $150 billion spending bill, which just passed with almost unanimous bipartisan support. Rand Paul did, in fact, vote against it. He was one of, I think, four or five people that voted against it. I think Bernie Sanders also did. Uh, But... This United States spending bill was passed despite a $1 trillion deficit that's looming. And, you know, Justin Amash talked about this. And once I saw it, I said, okay, and I'll, I'll read the tweet to you. This afternoon, Republicans and Democrats will vote yes on a nearly $150, $150 billion spending bill loaded with corporate subsidies and non-essential items. Media will largely ignore it. He is absolutely right there. Nobody wrote about it. Reason did. That was it. Each side will later disingenuously blame the other for our government's growing deficits and debt. Bingo, man. Circle gets a square. I mean, Justin Mosh nails it here. They they put this thing through. There was nobody, nobody opposed it because they didn't want to have the government shut down. So what happens? Well, Trump doesn't want the government to shut down. So he goes, all right, fine. Well, well you know, all the Republicans, they don't want to shut down before these midterms coming up. They want to keep things humming along, make it look like everything's going hunky-dory. So they concede all this, all this horseshit, all these subsidies, all this pork barrel. Meanwhile, we've got all of these looming deficits that are just completely impossible to pay back. Now, I'm completely for all the tax, uh, the uh, Trump tax cuts, but that did take a chunk out of money going to federals. All this money that was supposed to be repatriated isn't coming back home. And we still are doubling down with the war state. We're still bombing the shit out of people. I, mean, I was talking to Michael Bolden. You know, Trump, Trump is still bombing people at an unprecedented rate in all these countries. We still have troops and bases all over the world. 
I mean, Christ, we're 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 shipping uh, people over to Syria again now. We're like building up over there, and yet we keep raising the debt ceiling. Rand Paul's, uh, you know, we can't raise the debt ceiling until we take down whatever else proposition he put forward a few months ago was just laughed out of the room. And we're going to see, Justin Amash nails it. We are going to see both people point the finger. And if you try to cut a single penny off of it, they're going to raise holy hell. You don't care about this. Well, you don't care about the the defending this country. Oh, what about terrorism? What about, you know, now you get the Air Force asking for an increase in their budget too. I'm sure it'll happen. But it just is, it is sickening, the lack of media coverage for this. The media never covers the debt. They have absolutely zero interest in doing so. They never will because the media is so tied into the military industrial complex. They're tied into all of these pork pork barrel uh, issues. They're tied in with the the welfare state because, you know, who's watching the local news, man? (laughs) It's, It's not people like me. It's probably people who are part of the welfare state themselves tuning into that local bullshit broadcast. The people that are sort of vastly turning out to support socialism, they are the ones that are definitely part of the welfare state. That much I can assure you. All right. On that happy note, we're going to finish this episode up, guys. Please do share the show. Uh, tell a friend. Like I said, really appreciate it. And don't forget to listen to Mark Claire on Mondays doing in-depth interviews with leaders of the libertarian movement. John Odie Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Friday, looking at the ironically named criminal justice system. And don't forget to tune in on Tuesdays. We've got our Candidates of Liberty series. I've been trying to track down some of these people myself. Uh, I did one a few uh, weeks ago. I'm going to hopefully have another one cracking for you this Tuesday. And uh, I just got to hunt <laughs> hunt people like the Predator, baby. Put on my infrared <laughs> goggles, start climbing through the trees, and get these libertarian candidates on this show. Anyway, check out that as well. It's our ongoing series. We're trying to get as many in as we can before the midterms are coming up. And uh, guys, like I said, support the show, man. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Get your ass in there. Get yourself a bonus free t-shirt for just $5 level. But please, if you have more, spend more. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show this week. From me, Brian McWilliams from Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty.